Ruby Stamps, could you stand? She received her citizenship this week. Thanks for being here today. I'm preaching in the altar area this morning because I'm lonely. I want you to join me here later today, okay? Can you do that? We need some altar time today. Last Sunday, Pastor Brooks brought us a message from the same book. And he talked to us about Hannah being a mother. Last Sunday was Mother's Day. Did you tell Mom Happy Mother's Day? I sent Mom some flowers. Hannah had a high commitment to God. Hannah wanted a child, and so she decided that once she received that child, that she would dedicate that child to the Lord. I believe that we should all do that. Amen. She had that child, and his name was Samuel, and she took him to the church, and she gave him to the, the priest there. Hannah took special care of her son. Once a year, she would come and minister to him and give him clothes and, and things and make sure that he was doing all right. So let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. What's the ark of God representing in the Old Testament? God's presence, that's right. And while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> now Samuel did not know yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful to us, right? Calling us more than once, even though we may not be hearing from the right person. Then Eli perceived, and the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Let's pray. Father, open our hearts and our minds today, Lord. May we receive this word today. May it give us guidance through the rest of our lives. In your mighty, most precious name we pray, amen. The title of my message is called, Your Servant Hears. I think it's important that we hear from, from God, amen. Pastor Brooks is on vacation this week. 
he's a he's a busy guy let me just tell you he needed some time off we were having staff meeting about a month ago and uh, he said I'm gonna take these two Sundays off I'm gonna be gone and it wasn't we have a calendar a church calendar and there was there was nobody scheduled to speak on the calendar and so me and all my wisdom I said so pastor who are you gonna have speak on Sunday May 19th he smiled real big and said you are <laughs> so appreciate you being here today continue to pray for our pastor May he get some rest. May he hear from the Lord this week and come back with a special message for us. Amen. So my message is about finding your calling today. How many have grown up in church and you've heard preachers preach about calling? And they've told you you need to find your calling. You need to understand the importance of Scripture and find your calling within the Scriptures. We know that's very important. We've all heard stories about people being called. I was called, I came, I went to Bible college. Pastor, you've heard him talk about his calling. We've heard of other people be having their callings. Worship pastor being called, a youth pastor being called. Our very own Jolita Nash is right here among us. She most recently received her credentials and she's being called into the widow ministry. She tells me people, when she tells people what she's being called into, they say, what? Widow ministry? She says, yeah, it's in the scriptures. You're supposed to minister to the widows. We receive our calling, right, from the Lord. We hear about lay ministers. Earlier in, in today's the first service, we had our Royal Rangers director and our girls' ministries director here. Um, Roger was in his uniform looking all nice and sharp. They're going to have Royal Rangers and girls' ministries today. Those are lay ministries. We have people in senior ministries. We have people in men's ministries all over the church. And many of us, maybe you're sitting there thinking right now, maybe one day God will call me, right? I need to receive that ministry. I need to see, receive that. I remember growing up in church and I would hear message after message, my youth pastor, my pastor, and they would say, find your calling. 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 Find your calling until it was annoying. And I said, I don't know what my calling is. And I sought it desperately. And it leaves me with a, a sense at that time with why am I here? Can you identify with that? Why am I here? What is my purpose here on this earth? God, why did you bring me here? What am I supposed to be here for? And many of us are miserable. I know I was miserable until I found my true calling. I was miserable until I found it and realized this is what I need to do. And it leaves us inside wanting more. And no matter how much money you make, no matter what kind of car you drive, no matter where you live or how you see things, if you have that emptiness inside of you, that calling inside of you, it's going to leave you empty. And so we need to find that calling. So today's message, I'm going to help you find it, okay? You guys are quiet on me. I'm gonna, you're going to need to help me preach here. So back to Samuel. Samuel was in the priest Eli's house. There Samuel was living with Eli and Eli's two sons, Phineas and Ferb. No, it's, it's Hophnia and Phineas. Hophnia and Phineas. These two, these two young men were not very good guys, let me just tell you. If you read about them, pastor's right. He says that Hollywood has nothing on scripture. These two guys were stealing the offerings that go to God. 
I mean, can you get any worse than that? These guys were on the doorsteps of the church, and they were having sex. These guys are bad, Hophnia and Phinehas. The Bible says something interesting in verse 1. In the NIV, it says, In those days the word of the Lord was rare. How many have your Bible with you on your phone today? You never leave home without it, right? You always have it with you. Do you think the word of the Lord is rare today? I think it is. I think the problem with Hophnia and Phinehas is that the word of the Lord became common to them. They were living amongst the tabernacle, and they didn't realize the word of the Lord does need to be reverential. I have my Bible on my phone. I, I read it at night. Today we have access to the word of God like never before. It's, it's wherever we are. We have many versions on it. We can pull up anything. You can even get on this phone and you can say, read me the scripture in a British accent and how eloquent it must sound, right? A few years ago, we had the play here and, and the whole church was speaking in British accents. In Britain, they have their phones and they have the Oki accent. No, I'm just kidding. They don't have that. They don't have that. So we have access to the word of the Lord. And Hophni and Phinehas were two pretty wild men having sex on the doorsteps of the church, stealing the offering from the church at the front entrance. And the word of the Lord was rare. It's because it was treated as common. I think the word of the Lord needs to be reverential. We need to honor the word of the Lord. Even though it's on a device that we have with us every single day and we can either choose to read it or choose to go on Facebook or choose to go on some social media site or check our email or text messages or whatever, the Lord of the Word needs to be reverential. We need to honor the Word. We need to treat it with respect. Information is rampant today. On our phones, we can pull up any information that we want about how to fix our cars, how to fix our house, how to learn how to basket weave underwater. You can, you can learn how to do anything. Just pull it up on your phone. And it'll tell you all of that information. Information is rampant. But truth is hard to find. Truth is really hard to find. When we honor the word and we honor what it says, it becomes truth to us. And we let it speak to us. We let it mold and make us like it should be. We need to treat the word of the Lord as reverential. Point number two, saints are called. A couple scriptures here for you. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be what? So we're called to be saints. Here's another scripture, Mark 3. Then he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So what three things are we supposed to do? Preach, heal the sick, and cast out demons. 
Boy, you got your notepad? Because I'm ready to give it to you. Everybody wants to know how to cast out a demon. Jesus said many times to the disciples to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and to cast out demons. As I studied, I believe that this is what we are called to do. We're all saints, right? We've all said that we're going to follow Christ. That means we are disciples and that we need to learn how to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. So Pastor Dave, tell us how to do this. Preach the gospel. I'm standing here with a microphone, preaching from the word. It's easy for Pastor Dave to do this, but how do I do this? How do I apply this to my life? You ever heard the statement, we're the only Bible that some people ever read? It is true. It is true. How you treat your children is reading the Bible to them. Because the Bible says, treat others as you would like to be treated, right? How you treat the people at work, that's reading the Bible to them. Because if we just not read the Bible, then it becomes chaotic and everybody starts hating each other. And we see all of that in our society today. But it says, treat others as you would like to be treated. Walk the walk and talk the talk. Get in the word and let it speak to you. And that's how you treat other people. Simple as that. Just live the life in front of people. It will preach to them. Number two, heal the sick. We recently had a mother in our church die right before Mother's Day. We had prayed for Tina Hoff for many years, five, five years. She had cancer. We prayed and prayed and prayed, and we saw it go into remission, and then she came back, and, and, it, and it came back again. Heal the sick. Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, we, we, we talk about healing the sick and we talk about praying for them, but we never saw her get healed. It's easy. I don't know why God heals some people and some people he doesn't. But I do know that we have a responsibility to pray for them, to meet their needs, and to minister to them. You already did that to that family. Because I know there's two little boys, Jaron, and Miles, tell me that they're not sick right now. They're hurting deep down inside. They just lost their mom. You started ministering to them that very week. I was able to take donuts to that family the next day that the mom had passed away. Because of your giving, I was able to do that. That week, we also got to minister to the family. We brought them food here at the church, for a, man, a family had about 50 people at it, and we got to feed them that week. You got to do that. In a couple months, six, eight months, Tina Hoff's life will kind of fade into the past. But yet, Jaron and Miles and Dale will still be among us. That's your opportunity. You're going to see them here. You have your phone. You can send Dale a text message. Say, Dale, I'm praying for you. It must be really hard to lose a spouse, that mom of your children, and you can minister to them. I know that Dale is sick inside right now, but we can minister to him, and we can heal the open wounds inside of his life. That's how we heal the sick. So cast out demons. Casting out demons. 
There's not a whole lot to this either. It's simple. This past week, I was studying the scriptures, and I was trying to put this message together, and it was about Wednesday, and I had kind of made a hermit of myself. I would come into the office, shut my door, and, and this was kind of saying, hey, leave me alone. I'm trying to study this week. Office was kind of really quiet without pastor around this week, and Pastor Henry was on vacation this week. It was kind of quiet around, and Wednesday afternoon, I came out of my office, and Lori kind of... Um, corralled me. She said, hey, we got something to talk about. She goes, are you going to be a hermit all week? And I said, no, I'll help you out. What's going on? And she told me. And then she asked me, she said, hey, so what are you preaching on this week? And I began to tell her, and I told her kind of what I, which direction I was headed down. And then she, she said, oh, really? Well, that's good. I'm, I'm leading worship. And then I said, you know, I was kind of thinking about doing this and uh, this and that. And I was telling her about that. And I said, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. And she pointed at me and she said, stop. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop. When you become negative, it's the enemy. I'll tell you it is. In my mind, I had already thought, hey, this is what I need to do. But in my mind, I had determined I don't need to do that. And I think the enemy, the demons were on me. And they were telling me not to do something because the Lord had told me to do it. But then I had changed my mind because the enemies had come against me. Turn to your other neighbor and say, stop. When you tell somebody to stop what they're thinking because they're negative, you're casting out demons. It's that simple. I had let my own self determine that what God had told me to do, I wasn't going to do. So he told me to stop. I listened to her. First service went great. I did what I said I thought I should do, and I didn't let the enemy do it. I'm in these altars because I'm lonely. I want you to be in these altars too. That's what I told her I was going to do. So three things. We're told to preach the gospel, and when we preach the gospel, we're ministering to people's spirits. When we heal the sick, we're ministering to somebody's body. And when we cast out demons, we're ministering to somebody's soul, their will, their emotions. You have three parts to you. You have your spirit, your body, and your soul. When Christ ministered to the disciples, he said that's what they're supposed to do. And as disciples of Christ, that's what we're supposed to do. Turn to your other neighbor and say, but, but what, but, let's read Mark 3 back again. It says, then he approached the 12 that he might be, be what, with him. So before we can preach the gospel, before we can minister to somebody's soul by casting out demons, and before we can heal the sick, we must be with him so that we can do those other three things. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're an extension cord. You're an extension cord. What do I mean by that? Where does power come from? It comes from God. 
when we're not plugged into God, when we're not receiving what God has for us, on the other end, we're just an empty cord, just some empty wires with no power. But through his grace, we're that extension. We can show others grace. We can show others God's love. We can show others God's mercy. We can show others God's faithfulness, his kindness, and his truth. If you're not plugged into him, you don't have any power. So stay plugged in. Let's read verse 9. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be. If he calls you, then you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. I like how it says, in his place. Because that's where he needed to be. That's what he needed to do. So point three is the presence of God. In verse three, it says, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord and where the ark of God was, then Samuel was lying down. What did the ark represent? The presence of God. Sometimes I tell Ella, Ella, you need to go to bed. And she, <laughs> she comes back and she says, I'm not tired. Ella, you need to go to bed. I'm not tired. Do you think Samuel was tired that night? Because it says that he heard somebody call his name and he jumped up and ran. When I'm sleeping and somebody calls my name, I don't jump up and I don't run. I kind of, you know, with one eye open, get out of my face. I'm, I'm trying to wake up here. But he jumped up and he ran. I think that when it says that he laid down in his place, and, and, and it also tells us that in his place was where the ark of God was, the presence of God. So we see this. He's laying down and he's resting. In the presence of God. I think that we are at our best when we have rested. We can hear from God when we have rested. We can understand what God is trying to tell us when we're laying in front of God and we're resting in front of God and we're listening for God. You ever talk to yourself? I bet you do. Pastor says the first person you talk to every day is yourself. You wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off, your hand comes up underneath the covers, and it hits the snooze button, right? And then you say, I don't want to go to work, I don't want to go to school, I don't want to do this, or I want to do this, I'd rather stay home, I'd rather go play. You're talking to yourself. And these are all thoughts. You don't literally hear those, but they're just thoughts. There's something inside of us that hears these things, and we're making communication through what we are hearing in our minds. Friday evening, I was sitting with my wife, and she's grading papers in the kitchen, and she has this long uh, list that she has to go through all these students, and she had these big old stack of papers, and she's grading them, and she's grading them, going through it, and then all of a sudden, she goes, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I said, what's wrong? And she said, I put the grades in the wrong column. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm such an idiot? I've said it to myself. It's a thought. It's right. It's processing a thought, a thing that's come across your mind. How often do you say, I'm really, really smart. I'm really, really intelligent, right? You always go towards the negative. But Samuel heard a voice 
and he went to what he knew. It says that he did not know the Lord, so he ran to Eli. Who are you running to when that thought comes across your mind about what your calling is? He was in the, in the tabernacle, laying before the Lord, and he ran to the wrong person. He had the right passion. He received something from the Lord. He heard the Lord call his name. But he ran to the wrong thing. We've all made mistakes. It's encouraging to know that one of the greatest prophets in the Bible ran the wrong way the very first time. He's human just like me. He's human just like you. But it might be that God is trying to call you to something. He's trying to tell you where you need to go. As young people sitting here, what's your next step in life? Maybe you have said to yourself, God's going to call me one day. But are you listening? Maybe you have ran to the thing that was most familiar to you and thought that was your calling. It wasn't for Samuel. God brought you here today, I believe, for a reason. He has called you. His voice is calling you. Maybe you have a talent in a certain area of your life and what you're good at. Most often, God anoints us through our talents, and we're able to minister through those talents. It was God that gave you the strength to come here today. It was him that gave you that connection that got you a promotion at your job. It was God. It was the Lord that called Samuel. I ask you again, who is calling you? Who is telling you to go back to bed? Who are you receiving a call from? I believe that I have a call on my life. This is funny, isn't it? I have a light on my head and I'm standing and preaching to you. But my calling is a tech pastor. I've been on a lift up on working on these lights above your head. I've crawled from the bottom underneath this stage from one side to the other so that our youth room would have internet on the other side of the building. I needed a light to do that. It represents my hat, right? I take care of this building and all the technical stuff. People come to me with their cell phones and they say, I don't know how this works, you need to fix this. And I, I fix it. We have equipment back in the back of the room, everybody's working on it, and they say, we can't get this to work, and I come over and touch a couple buttons and it starts working. It's a gift, it's a talent. What is God calling you to? I got this hat just the other day, but not everybody gets to wear this hat right here. This hat says number one dad on it. I get to wear this hat because I have two kids. And one day those kids will be men and women of God. And it's because 
that's what God has birthed inside of me for them. I got to raise them up to be the man of God that Riker's going to be. And I've got to raise Ella to be the woman of God that she is. Not every dad gets to raise a daughter. Not every dad gets to raise a son. And it takes a special man to raise a daughter. I'll just tell you it does. I've been a boy all my life. But it takes a special person to raise a daughter. I get to wear this hat because I'm called to it. We were married 10 years before I received this calling. I wear it with honor. Now I'm going to make you laugh. I get to wear that other hat because I went to a girl and I said, how you doing? I'm a husband. I've been married, uh, let's see, this year will be 25 years for us. I met her in church. I met her the very first time I went to a church in Caribou, Maine. It was on Easter weekend. I didn't know she was going to be my wife one day, but I shook her hand during fellowship time. I was in the right place at the right time to meet my woman of God for my life. God has called me to be a husband. Once a month, I get to wear this hat right here. I like wearing this hat. I've been in the military over 25 years. I thank you for letting me go and serve the Air Force once a month on a drill weekend. A few weeks ago, I got to promote a guy underneath me. He's one of my troops. I had mentored him, I had worked with him, and other people had worked with him, and we finally got him to where, okay, you're ready to be promoted. And at his promotion, I got to speak to 60-something military men and women, and I got to tell them about living with no regrets. I can't necessarily preach to them. But in my office, I got a sign that says, live with no regrets. I got regrets. I know about regrets. I don't want young men and women in the military living with regrets, so I'm trying to communicate to them. I think we need men and women who are Christian in our military. Amen. I got one more hat. This hat, I've never owned one of these. There's a guy I met a couple years ago, and he started wearing this hat. I thought, that's a really cool hat. I need one of those. But the other thing I'm called to is to be a worshiper. The reason I chose this hat is because our worship leader wears this hat. He stands on stage, he leads a team, and he's a worshiper. God has called me to be a worshiper. He's called you to be a worshiper. I like wearing this hat. I like listening to worship music. Why? Because it brings me into the presence of God. 
God is present and available now more than ever. If you just seek him, if you look for him, you will find him. Scripture tells us there are several words. We go back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, it has a phrase called return to me. Return to me. That's God reaching out to humanity once again, asking humanity to come back to him. The Psalms repeatedly use words like come into God's presence. Dwell and abide are also favorite terms of psalmist. Jesus used words like repent, come, follow me, love me, worship me, abide in me. Calling words tend to, to be directional. All of them drawing us and causing us to respond to he who is more than able. Presence words are in scripture. These words are positional. They describe our relationship and our position to God. The words like in, in Christ alone, in God, all things are possible. One with God, indwelling God at the right hand of God. These words call us to be in his presence. To me, it's a synergetic principle. What does that mean? If you got two boats and you put two boats, identical boats in the water, but yet you put 150 horsepower, one engine on one, and on the other boat, you put two 75 horsepower engines on the other boat. We're talking 150 on both boats. Which boat goes faster? The one with two. Because you can do a whole lot more with two and just one. God's calling us back to be in his presence because we can do a whole lot more with him, right? We can plug into his power. We can preach the gospel. We can heal the sick. And we can cast out demons. At the end of this scripture, in verse 9, it says, Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go and lie down. It shall be, if he calls you, then you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Stand with me. At the beginning of this message, I asked you to come be with me down here in the altars. Verse 10, it says, Now the Lord came and stood and called at other times. He called your name one day. He asked you to be a part of him. He asked you to give your life to him. But I'm just reminding us that without him, we don't have any power. And we need to know which hat we need to wear. We need to know what our calling is on our lives. It's not just one thing that you're called to. You're called to many things. You need to be many things to many people. And without God, it's not going to happen. So I'm calling us to these altars. Because at the very end, it said, speak for your servant hears. 
Let's take a moment and open the altars. I want you to come. Come, kneel at chairs in the front at these altars. Come, kneel. Just step out. Go ahead. It's okay. 